0: Welcome to the Score N.I. podcast, where we bring you the best Irish League discussion each week. To find out about future shows, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at The Score N.I. Now, it's time for this week's programme.
1: This is Carly Jack O'Trampon. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. And Charles Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Cuell. And you're listening listening to The Score The score with Michael Clark.
0: Hello and welcome along to The Score, live on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM with me, Michael Clark. Me, Colin Hopkins. And our special studio guest today, Northern Ireland's number one Stado, Marshall Gillespie. Marshall, good afternoon. Afternoon. It is brilliant to have you here with us. Uh, What a show we have lined up. Uh, Today, right now, it's happening. Uh, Lots of famous faces of Northern Irish sport are out walking along the streets. The March for Men is... For Prostate Cancer UK, Jeff Stelling is the celebrity spearheading it all. He's done quite a few of these by now, raised an awful lot of money and he's going to be on this programme. We're going to get to talk to him shortly. A little while ago I was speaking to Ian Dowey, we'll be hearing that interview as well, to find out how he has enjoyed taking to the streets of Northern Ireland with some of those celebrities such as Colin Murray and Carl Frampton and uh, what sights has he seen so far and In case you forgot everybody, there's a fairly important game happening on Monday. Northern Ireland against Germany will be getting his views on that, plus your views as well. Send them in to us, The Score and I, on Facebook and on Twitter. We can't wait to hear what you think. It has been a busy season already. We are back with a bang. Plenty of predictions and debate to be had right here on The Score.
1: The Score with Michael Clark. Colin, it's good to be back. It is indeed, very much so. I've uh, enjoyed the break but now we're running to get go again for a brand new season. Did you have much of a break? No. no. Do I ever have much of a break? <laughs> no. <laughs> I
0: kinda no. I kind of thought that. I am here today. This is, this is what a brave little soldier I am. I'm here fighting off jet lag. Can we get a studio? Aww. Ah! <laughs> no one's going to feel sorry for the guy that spent 10 days in Vancouver, are they? But no. um, I'm, I'm excited. It is great to be back in the studio. A, a very warm studio, Marshall. I, I hope you were ready with your summer wear.
2: It was great to be here, at last. Like, I've been trying to get me on for the last year <laughs> or so.
0: We finally got him in the country, folks. It's, it's fantastic. You were at the Northern Ireland game last night against Luxembourg. Uh, you've probably seen more exciting matches. Is that fair to say?
2: It wasn't the most exciting of games, like you know, but uh, I think it is what it is. Like you know, we've got a big game coming up Monday night. Like you know, and Michael um, just prepared the team as he, you know, felt it was necessary. Like you know, so he put a lot of young lads in, give them a bit of experience, and uh, I think it's good to see. Like you know, there is uh, some prospects there. You know, give them a few years, the likes of Ethan Galbraith, and you know, get them coming through, and Alfie McCalmont. And uh, I think Jordan Thompson was
0: very good last night. You know, so, uh, yeah, like there's a, there is a little bit of strength in that. Do you remember when under 21s football was sort of for either youngsters or people who weren't ever really good enough to get into the senior team? And now it looks like a pathway, doesn't it? So many of those players that you're mentioning have come through that system and they're they're progressing.
2: Well, I think uh, Ian Barraclough coming in has uh, proved to be uh, a successful move. Like, you know, he's changed the whole setup and, uh, like, they had a very successful campaign last time out. And uh, now a lot of those players have actually moved on and uh, progressed through to the uh, senior setup. You know, the likes of Gavin White, Paul Smith. Um, Liam Donnelly's just come in last night you know so yes there is a pathway and it's good to see that and now like um, I think we're actually going into a mode where we're actually bringing the players through from under 17 level under 19s uh, under 21s and the senior side and bring them through as a group something like what Germany do you know so players are actually playing together at a young age they get to know how each other's each other play their style of play you know, and they get to know each other personally so that can only be good in the long run
0: and credit to Jim Magilton and, and all the guys as well because they've had a, a good week of results uh, as evidenced I've been following those and uh, the under 21s are in action today as well kicking off their new campaign so best luck to Ian Barclough and <coughs> All the guys, but it's been amazing seeing that that sort of charted progress, and it goes hand in hand with the added optimism the senior squad has enjoyed uh, from a fan's perspective that Michael O'Neill has, has brought in, and now we're seeing the levels below that, and we're starting to get excited about the next group of players who have, in their own right, been performing very well. I mean, I remember sitting a year, maybe slightly more than a year ago, with Liam Donnelly, and he was saying, "We're not really used to winning games." at under-21, and the old joke was people thought he was secretly about 30 because he'd been in the under-21s seemingly forever and now you look at last night and you think, what a moment for him because he's had an incredible season already at Motherwell and to see him get his chance which he's earned, by the way it's, uh, it's amazing as a fan to see that
2: well, yeah, eight goals in eight games. Like You know, you can't argue with that. Sorry, I had to put a stat in there.
0: <laughs> there will be more. Um, I love that. Um, as I said at the very top, Northern Ireland's number one statu. Um, how did you get into gathering statistics in the first place? Because I, I think it's fair to say the majority of fans have all these opinions about games and can go to lots of games, but very few of them write down what they see and start compiling all the facts and figures such as what you do.
2: I think it must have been about 12, 13 I started taking an interest on in it and uh, you know I'm a great fan of uh, football books and I've got a library of about 700 odd and uh, I used to wait you know like uh, in the summer for Rothmans coming out as it was then and uh, I used to go through the Rothmans and i go through the Team lists and all I would look for is what Northern Ireland players were in it, like you know. And obviously the days before internet, I'm not old, and uh, <laughs> you know I'd go through it and I'd find out all these different players, and you know I'd make a list of them, and I've been doing that ever since, and uh, changing that little hobby into a job now.
0: We've had so many people message us since we said you were coming on. I don't know if you've had a chance to see some of the reaction online. Um, I'm imagining if you have seen it, it's, it's been lovely. But uh, a theme is that you settle arguments. Uh, Gareth tweeted us saying that uh, I've won arguments with Marshall Stats and uh, maybe I've lost a few as well because of them. But... People go and they look up your tweets when they, they have a thought in their head and they go, I bet you NI stats have put something out about this one. And they go, I told you he was good.
2: Well, yeah, I do get, I do get pressure in that sometimes. And uh, my problem is I, I like a challenge, you know, so like uh, because I think most people know I live in England and I live in England for the last 32 years. And, uh, you know, I sit there and listen to sports sound every Saturday. And uh, I'll be listening to the commentary in the games. And sometimes uh, Joel or Lane Beckett will turn around and say, Well, you know, this has happened, and I uh, wonder when the last time that happened. And they give me a challenge on there. So I'm sitting there and actually going through books and folders and trying to find out the answer. Like, you know, so if anybody does that, you know, I do try my best to answer it. I can't answer everything, like, you know, but my records do go back over 35 years. Um, so answer a
0: lot of things. It's very comprehensive. I mean, what I love as well is it's sometimes your approach is a bit like a wedding DJ because you take requests, you know, people, I see people ask you weird things. When was the last time? And you're going, oh my goodness, he's never going to find it. And I don't know how you do.
2: Well, there is sometimes I don't, (laughs) (laughs) you know, some, I think somebody asked me, uh, on Twitter the other week, like, you know, when was the last time that, uh, two brothers I think it was Philip Larry and Stephen Larry scored uh, two goals and when was the last time two brothers scored two goals each in the same day or well it was the same weekend like no I don't know that No,
0: (laughs) I was going to say what does what does that look like because obviously we see a tweet go up and we see a reply come back but I mean is when you pick that up is it like right I need to go home from the shops now everybody leave me alone I'm going into a room for two hours into like the bat cave and here goes stat uh, assimilation mode Well, I think uh,
2: sometimes uh, it can be, I do know some of the stuff on top of my head, right, and uh, I can answer it straight away. But I would say the majority of time, yeah, I do have to look it up, but I've got it there. And I think what people don't see, like they'll see, like I've put a stat out, you know, and I'll do it live on a Saturday afternoon, like, you know, somebody scores, I'll, you know, I'll say that's his first goal at home, and uh, you know, in 13 years or something like that, you know. Uh, but uh, to get to that stage, you have to put the donkey work in beforehand. So, like, when it comes to the summer, I sit there and I put a lot of information together from the previous season, and I do a lot of, I've got a lot of historical stuff. Uh, uh, sitting on the computer you know so and I can dig into that and delve into it like you know so if there's a penalty missed uh, at Seaview between Cliftonville and Crusaders you know I can look back and tweet and say like well the last time there was a penalty missed by a Cliftonville player was and blah 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 you know because I've got it there in front of me you know so um, yeah there's a bit of work goes into it.
0: And those numbers are things that players cherish not just fans you know because quite often players aren't aware of their own records they're so busy doing <laughs> that thing you know it's a lovely career but they aren't necessarily aware that they've reached a milestone appearance and uh, it must give you a little thrill to see when players are sharing your stats and, and sort of holding them up
2: yeah it's nice like you know i do um i do do it like you know and a lot of players like joe gormley and curtis allen will come back and jimmy McGonagall. Will- you know, ask me, how many goals have we got? Like, you know, and uh, I'll sort of answer him back and say, how many goals and how many appearances, how many assists, how many minutes you've played, how many yellow cards you have. Like, you know, so <laughs> just add a little bit of do information you, onto it.
0: On yellow cards, do you ever get a bit of grief from players? I mean, there, there must be a few tough tacklers in the league that don't like being reminded that they're quite often not the referee's pal.
2: Well, I do put uh, stats on about... Uh, you know, I'll put a list on, like, a most yellow cards by clubs and whatnot, and um, <clears throat> also for players. What I try sometimes not to do is actually put the referees on the spot. So, like, you know, I'll not put, um, you know, the referee ha- with the most red cards this mm. season or the most yellow cards because I think they get enough grief. And I think, like, you know, I don't want to use Twitter as a forum for people to start having a go at people, you know. So I try not to do that, you know, but
0: sometimes I do. The funny thing is, as well, is, you know, facts are facts. Sometimes people try and assert meaning to the numbers that you're putting out. And, you know, there's no additional meaning. If someone's got 12 yellow cards and over the course of a season, they've got 12 yellow cards. You're not saying I like that or I don't like that. You're just stating a fact.
2: Yeah, but sometimes it starts a debate, which actually goes uh, on a tangent. And then other things start like and then I just stay out of it. You know. (laughs) That's
0: when mute notifications becomes everyone's best friend.
2: Yeah, I've never blocked anybody yet.
1: But, uh, yeah, that's not a challenge. it's <laughs> not a
0: challenge, <laughs> no, by the way. definitely not. Um, what was the first football game you took in? That's one of the questions that's been sent in to us. Do you remember?
2: Well, being from uh, Enniskillen in Fermanagh, the first international I was ever at was 1977 when we played England, and uh, we lost two 0 Right. Um first Irish Cup final I was ever at was '79. Cliftonville against Portadown like the last time Cliftonville won the cup no that wasn't as, uh, but yeah that was a bit of a riot that day if I remember correctly um, you weren't
0: involved of course no, no, no,
2: I wouldn't have anything to do with things like that um, but like we didn't have Irish League football down uh, around Fermanagh like you know Bell and the Mallard weren't uh in the league then well they weren't formed until 75 like you know so uh, reformed i should say but um yeah so like i was i used to play football for in the skill and rangers and that and uh you know but actually go and watch games suppose supposed to be local games i'll be watching uh, you know in fermanagh and western league you know uh, i can remember used to go when Town went in into the league we used to go and watch Town. again cliftonville were, i think it was Town cliftonville was one of the first uh, games i saw at st julian's road anybody remember st julian's road um, so yeah, like, uh, but it's mostly internationals, and now I've been away from Northern Ireland, like, I uh, don't get to see many um, Irish League games. So I did come back for the Irish Cup final in May because Ballinamallard got through, obviously. So that was a, a very good occasion.
0: That, I mean, that in itself, um, regardless of you know the result on the day and everything, must have felt like such a special occasion because you know Ballinamallard are one of those teams a lot of people would put under the category of they're my second club because of the journey they've been on and to see them get to an Irish cup final, it was a pinch yourself moment for everybody. So let alone people from Fermanagh.
2: Yeah. Like a, whether it'll ever happen again is unlikely, you know, but, uh, they didn't achieve that when they were, you know, they had, uh, Premier League status like you know it was when they were in the championship they actually got through in the Irish Cup final which was even a bigger achievement you know so and the whole county itself like we're right behind them and it was a great day out. Like, you know, I think in reality everybody knew they weren't going to beat Crusaders and uh, Crusaders just being physically stronger and better players and you know uh, it was never going to happen but yeah it's a, it a game to live long in the memory for uh, you know just the occasion if not the result.
0: Journeying over for it as well. I mean, I know Whitey Anderson probably won the the record for most miles covered coming back from America, didn't he? And he was in the day before the final. But, I mean, as soon as they got in, was it a a case of I have to be there no matter what?
2: Yeah, I think it was more or less it, you know. Um, I think Laura James came from uh, Madrid over for it. And I came from England, but there was not just us. Like there was loads of people uh, came from far and wide just to go over and see Ball and Mallard play in the Irish Cup final. You know, so yeah, it was uh, it was brilliant to see.
0: Throughout your uh, career as a Stato, I mean, you have produced facts, figures, statistics for uh, lots of great publications. But where did it all begin? Where did it? Where was the moment that it went from being a hobby, something that you were doing as a twelve, thirteen-year-old, to uh, you know? somewhere that your friends could see it?
2: Well, I think I was uh, I was a nurse. Like, that's uh, initially uh, I trained to be a nurse with people with learning disabilities and done that for 17 years. And, like, football was always a hobby, you know, keeping stats and whatnot. And one of my dreams was to actually uh, sort of... I know Malcolm Brody had his book out at the time, but I wanted to see a Northern Ireland yearbook uh, in the form of Rothmans. And uh, I wanted to do that. And then eventually i uh, done a small book in about 1989 90 and uh, you know that was good and then it developed from there and total i done about 13 books but like in came to about 1997 uh, I started doing statistics full time
1: and uh, then started turning the hobby into uh, you know a job interesting you mentioned there about the Rothmans yearbook you and I have been probably have similar advantages I can remember it was a highlight of the year when that came out. Just it was a big fat book, all this fu- football information on. So whenever yours first came out, all those years ago, I remember thinking, "This is fantastic." And with all due respect to Malcolm Brody's book, it has the odd way inaccuracy here or there but yours was always, as far as I could see, I know one hundred percent accurate. So uh, that's oh, where There, was, first there was mistakes in mine as well. Oh, don't you no, he's admitting it. I'm going to burn them all now. <laughs> 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 when I when I first. Uh,
2: uh, when I first got a book, like when it was first printed, uh, the first thing I'd do would actually go through it to see where the mistakes were, you right. know, yeah. and uh, I'd find them. You know, maybe other people wouldn't find them. But
1: even if the, there was a full stop out of place, like, you know, that uh, uh, would really annoy me. Well, we were talking earlier before you came on there, but obviously today is a lot different. You've got technology, you've got the internet, all sorts of stuff you can research. Back then, when you first started out, there was no internet. I mean, how did, how did you compile all those other in- information?
2: Well those days it was a case of actually going through newspapers and um, like I can remember when I moved to uh, England and I can remember me my mum and dad actually wrapping up a big bundle of uh, was it, news, it? it was a Sunday mm-hmm. news and I remember the Sunday news and you know and there'd be um, you know uh, weekly papers as well midweek for midweek games the telegraph and newsletter and they'd wrap them all up and send them over to me and I'd gleam all the information from that the Ireland Saturday night as well. God rest his soul, and miss the Mm -hmm. Ireland Saturday night. And, uh, you know, but that was that was how I got the information. And then, of course, like uh, it didn't provide all the information. So it was a case of actually writing to people at clubs and, uh, you know, asking them for the information and then just putting everything together. And so, like, I've been doing that for about 35 years and I would say, I've probably missed a few games along the way, like you know, but uh, I've probably got a record of most games. Uh, I'd say about ninety-five percent of games played uh, in Irish League and various cup competitions uh, since about nineteen eighty-four.
1: There's a lot of trust involved back in those early days. You were relying on people giving you information that was accurate. Exactly,
2: but then again, you're still reliant on that yeah. as well, like you know, because you can look at the internet today, like and you, know, you can go on Wikipedia and stuff, and you know, which I very rarely, well, I do, you know, but. I would go on Wikipedia and get the information, but I wouldn't take it as gospel. I mm. would actually turn around and double check it, treble check it, you know, with various sources, you know. So um.
0: that, that's a great starting point. I, I have a story on that. Uh, I remember a few years ago, I was hosting an event, and the special guest was Lee Sharp of Manchester United, England fame, and, and various other things, even a bit of reality TV. Um, and it said on his Wikipedia page down at the bottom that he'd been in. One of the soaps, can't even remember which one it was now, it's a taxi driver, very short, Coronation Street, a very short stint as a taxi driver. And I thought, God, amazing. I don't remember Lee Sharp turning to acting. And so before we went on stage and did anything, I said to him, this is probably not true, but yeah, we in Corey for a while? And he went, no, I get that in interviews all the time. Someone's made that up, and I don't know how to use Wikipedia to remove it. But, you know, you could so easily, you know, can you imagine... This oh I'm I'm going to throw this great question into my radio or TV program. Remember, you were a taxi driver in Corey No, I wasn't. Oops. You know, and as a start, if you're bringing out books or you're providing information, you want to make sure it's as close to being accurate as possible.
2: Well, yes, like you know, and uh, everybody makes mistakes. I make mistakes, like you know, and uh, I do make some mistakes on Twitter. Uh, some I'll own up to, some i keep quiet. Uh, but people do actually come back to me and say, no, that's wrong or I've made an error but sometimes uh, in my defence like I'm doing it live and uh, you know I may turn around and put it out and when you're doing things like that you do it quickly and uh, Twitter is very unforgiving
0: oh yes but I mean you're you're being I'm going to defend you because you're not going to do it you're going to be hard on yourself you don't make very many it's incredibly difficult to do it live Um, and also you will have a system and maybe somebody else has their own system and their own take on things I mean we just need to look at the way football is going with new rules and interpretations all the time to see how things are always up for debate. But some people might not want to give something as an assist that you call an assist. Or some people might say, well, it hit off his backside. It should be his goal. And you're saying, well, it didn't change the flight of the ball. It was already hitting the net. And the guy that tried to score did. All these sorts of things come into it. So uh, no matter no matter what you say, there's always going to be someone to try and pick a hole. Yeah.
2: Well, I think that, uh, that's the beauty of it right and uh, you know it's it's a game of opinions right and that's why I don't like VAR right but uh, I think it's a game of opinions and uh, I think you always need this a uh, bit of debate going on like you know in the pubs or wherever right? and uh, I think with VAR uh, coming in now it uh, takes away from all that and I know it's very topical at the minute like you know and people have got their own views in it but I'm definitely against it it'll never come into the Irish League
0: no well I don't think we'll ever be able to afford it. let alone have the opportunity to debate it um I know Colin Hopkins from viewing your Twitter in recent times you're not a big VAR fan either no can't stand the thing
1: uh, once again, I think it takes away all sort of all sort of aspects of the game you know um, to me the way it just slows it down and things that get there and people have to go and make decisions and all sorts of stuff no it's not for me it's just lost the the impact of the game just you know, let's let let go the way it is. Maybe it's just a, once again been a similar vintage. We don't want change. Maybe I don't know, but but at the end of the day, no, I would have nothing to do with it.
0: Luckily, we'll be spared it here, um, and we can just go back to for blaming now. the referees for everything, <laughs> <laughs> which is the default mode. We'll have to get a referee on this season, uh, since we had Jimmy Robinson on um, in our uh, towards the end of last season, and I was actually I won't embarrass anybody, but I had a referee come up to me and say. It's the first time we've heard a referee's perspective put across in ages, and people people want more of it, so maybe that's something
1: we'll look into. We do listen. What? We do. We, tried, we did, did try to get a referee on, not last year, the year before, and we kept yeah. saying, oh, we'll come on, we'll come on, but never turned up. But that's <laughs> another story. We'll not once again drop anybody into it, but uh, we'll try our best this evening. I thought you
0: were about to there. I we getting it a it wee bit was, hot under yeah, the yeah, collar. Yeah. Um, Marshall, looking through, uh, I mean, your CV, it's a very impressive CV. Uh, you have worked with all different sort of organisations. What's, you know, is working with the IFA the thing that makes you most proud? The fact that you've been able to compile statistics for Northern Ireland managers? Would that be right yeah, up Yeah,
2: like, a, I've always been a big international fan. I think people know from uh, a couple of my tweets the last few days that, uh, you know, I come over uh, to Northern Ireland for every Northern Ireland international, and haven't missed just one the last, uh, since 1989, 30 years. Many um, games in a row was that that I see. Um, it was last night. Was uh, my ninety-fourth consecutive uh, game at Windsor Park and my hundred and forty-seventh international Amazing. at Windsor Park. And, uh, so it's probably
0: more than you, me combined, Colin. And. Uh,
2: it has cost me a fortune because uh, imagine <laughs> like flights over and not just flights you know but staying in guest houses and maybe going out for the odd beverage or something like that never you know, it's, uh, it has cost me a, a pretty penny over the last few years but no getting back to your question like yeah uh, I do enjoy um, working with the IFA and uh, I've worked with uh, Laurie Sanchez and uh, Nigel Worthington and now Michael O'Neill and uh, currently like you know I do stuff for Michael O'Neagle, spreadsheets for him, uh, basically detailing um, twice a week how our players are getting on, um, basically how many minutes they've played, um, what, how many bookings we've got, assists, right? And, uh, and now with <coughs> certain players, like uh, I'll do either passing, and dribbling, and tackles, you know, when I can get the information. And i also do like how many shots I've had and uh, how many have been on target and... You know, So like I provide that, and uh, that's also like uh, not just for the uh, players who are in the senior team playing for the first teams, but I'll do it for under-23s and under-18 games for um, in England and Scotland. And then I'll also do that like for the Irish League, so I'll do the exact same information uh, for players who are 21 or under playing in the Irish League. So that makes the underage managers aware of maybe a 16-, 17-year-old who's actually you know, a regular in uh, their club's first team. You know, and there's been a few this season, like, you know, um, I think it was uh, Devlin, Guy Devlin, Dungan Swifts, right? He's uh, he just turned 16, like, and he played in uh, a League Cup game for them recently. Uh, there's another guy, Ryan O'Kane, at Warren Point, you know, and we've got youngsters coming through. And, um, you know, I think where there's no money available, that's what certain clubs have to do. And there's, uh, I've put a few lists out, like you know, with I mean, teenagers of being on certain sides, like you know, and you can always see like the, the top sides, like your Crusaders, Cliftonville, Linfield, have very few because they've got the money to buy the more experienced, established players. But your teams like Carrick Rangers and Dungan and Swifts, and maybe even Coleraine, are very good bringing youth to through and, um, you know, and Warren Point. They have to do that because they haven't got the money available, and that can only be good for the Irish League.
0: I imagine. The day where you don't have Wi-Fi is a day where you're just in a frenzy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the day I can have a rest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that? That's probably what it takes, though, because I I imagine the, the nature of gathering statistics means that you always have to be on the lookout for who's there's always a game, isn't there? Who's playing now? What's going on there? And you're you're constantly having to to gather this. How many hours a week? I mean, are, are you even aware how many hours a week m- will go into that?
2: I have no idea. I just do. Uh, Constantly, You know, because as you said, there's so many games played like, you know, especially at the start of the season, you know, whether games are coming thick and fast. And uh, this season has tried to help me game a little bit, you know, and uh, by looking at every goal that's been scored in the Irish League, how it's been scored, whether it's been inside the box, outside the box, whether it's been uh, free kicks uh, come from corners, you know, uh, from set plays and right foot, left foot headers off the thigh, neck whatever you know and I've tried to do that and just uh, have a little bit of uh, you know and put that out and just whether people enjoy that I don't know but I enjoy putting it together like you know but it means actually going through the uh, sort of footage at BBC you know uh, after every weekend's games like you know and just sitting there and studying it and looking for the assists and uh, the way I did as a final touch you know and just going through that and uh, just putting it all together.
1: You did say before we went there once again there today that I asked you, was everything on a database? Did you just log in your computer and it's all there? But you said there's a lot of stuff in your mind as well. To be honest, does, does that have any sort of mentally? Does that put pressure on you? Um,
2: not really, because I enjoy it. Like mm-hmm. I think when the it's in my mind, it's uh, it's just it's just there. Like I think it was last night as was, um, off air, that um, when Kieran Brown actually played, and. Uh, so, I didn't know where he was born, right? But uh, somebody in the press area was saying that he was born in Hillington, which is a borough of London, right? And I says, Oh, do you remember the last player from Hillington to play for Northern Ireland? And the guys were looking at me oh, no. and uh, said, No, no. Colin Hill was the answer. Yeah. Oh. He um, used to play for Leicester City, Trellborgs, Sheffield United. I think he started off at Arsenal. Anyway. Um, you know, so, but little things that got stuck in your
1: head. He, he did tweet last night and. We'll this was a humorous one about uh, the new new player obviously is the first Northern player with a bun on his hair. And I thought that was quite a, is that is that fact or is that just a humorous throwaway uh, comment? Just a,
2: a throwaway <laughs> comment, I <like, you> know, <laughs> because there wasn't much action going on at the time, like you yeah. know, so I thought I'll just put something out there, like you know.
0: I, I think it's probably true. I uh, can't remember. Anything. Can't remember one. Feel free to tweet us in if you can.
2: Some people have actually <laughs> answered that and said Kyle Lafferty had one once, which I wouldn't probably disagree
0: with. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, um what a what a figure Kyle is. We're going to be talking about the Northern Ireland-Germany game in a little while, by the way. Anyone tuning in to hear about that, that's coming up. Uh, we'll be hearing on the programme from Ian Dow. Uh, he gives his prediction for that game on Monday night and also tells us about the uh, March for Men. Jeff Stelling is spearheading. That's going on. We're going to be hearing from Jeff Stelling himself in about 15 minutes very much worth uh, sticking around for. And still to come in the programme, we're doing Where's Your Head At? And plus all the Irish League predictions for the weekend. It's a busy show. So uh, if you're waiting for any of that, it's all on the way. Um, Marshall, it's brilliant to have you here today. I mean, looking through the messages uh, that we have got in, uh, Chris Gray was uh, very complimentary on Twitter, if I can just find it here. But As the, as the tweets come in, my feed moves, uh, which is very unhelpful for me. Uh, where was Chris's message a little while ago that he sent in? Uh, he says really enjoy Marshall's stats, knows our league inside out, uh, part of the Irish League family. And um, Craig says really looking forward to the show. This was just before the program went on air. He says always a pleasure to read the stats, and even better to hear them from the man himself.
1: Well, You've nice. got
0: a fan club.
2: <laughs> well, two. Um, it's nice. To, it's nice to get compliments like that, you know, and uh, makes it worthwhile.
0: It certainly does. I mean, we were just touching on eligibility. Is that something you've done for Northern Ireland in the past, looking into players and their backgrounds and whether they could represent Northern Ireland?
2: Yeah, like, um, I do get some um, tip-offs and uh, people sort of send me messages and say, you know, I've heard so-and-so could be eligible for Northern Ireland and I get some direct messages uh, through Twitter as well, so he's of. got
0: a Fermanagh granny. That's always a popular <laughs> one, isn't well, it? Well,
2: Fermanagh is actually big. If you look at last night, there was I think Tom Flanagan, George Saville, um, I think Billy Peacock Farrell. Yep. They've all got Fermanagh roots as well. Kyle Lafferty, um, McGovern on the bench. You know, so like you know, uh, there's a lot of us about.
0: That's it's an interesting one, isn't, isn't it? Because that's something I looked at recently, and you were going, and how does he call it? Fermanagh again, okay, right? Yeah, very good. Yeah, so uh, it'd be interesting to dig into that further and see what why Fermanagh is such a hotbed for these talented players that move away and then find a way back again. But. Um, uh, are you aware? Is there anyone you're you're looking at at the minute? Can you can you reveal anything to us? Anyone that's no. Uh, no? <laughs> there, no, could, no, there, there could
2: there could be someone in the pipeline, but uh, I wouldn't like to say on air.
0: Because we, we saw the uh, a young Scot looks to be uh, switching allegiance. Um, Matty
2: Kennedy, yeah, ex-Everton, yeah, played uh, born in Belfast, like, but um, I think he moved over to Scotland at an early age, and uh, he was highly thought of. And uh, just didn't get the breaks at Everton. Uh, didn't make the first team there, but he's played for Scotland at underage level. So, yeah, it could be a good acquisition.
0: Dare I say the IFA enjoyed that particular acquisition a little bit more than some of the others? <laughs> <laughs> just, just thinking out loud. I don't know. What do you think about that, fellas? Um, the the thing for michael is being able to try and bolster that squad and the, the norwood thing is the the one little taint on it isn't it it's a bit of a disappointment you know when you you look at a such a well assembled team and then you have one player who at such a young age for whatever reason decides to retire from it it's the it's the only thing so far that you can really look at and feel a little bit frustrated with isn't it
2: yeah, especially as now, after you know, three successive promotions, like he actually made it through to the Premier League, and you think to yourself, you know, it would have been brilliant. And he started off uh, with Sheffield United really well, and uh, you know, but I think. Where he'd missed the opening four games of the year of qualifiers, I think it was on the cards. Um, and, you know, I don't know the reasons behind it, only he knows why he wants to uh, end his international career at 28th. Like, you know, and as we were saying, like, we've got one of our biggest matches in years coming up on Monday night. Like, and who wouldn't want to be involved in that?
0: I imagine you are particularly excited for this one. I mean, where, where does this rank in terms of games that uh, you've been excited for over the years. Uh, This is Northern Ireland. I'm just saying that. We all know this. I'm just saying it because it's fun to say. Four from four, top of the group, ahead of Germany and the Netherlands.
2: I'm probably the most pessimistic Northern Ireland supporter (laughs) there is, right? I go into every game thinking, "Now we're going to lose this, we're going to lose this, because I've seen so many games over the years where we have, you know, so anything we get out of it, you know, is a bonus. Uh, But yeah, yeah, it's, it's a huge game. If we beat the Germans on... Like you know, Monday night it'll be the first time ever in our history that we've won six consecutive games in a row. There. Uh, just a little stuff, uh, but I think it's unlikely. You know, I think if we get a draw, we'll be doing really well because they're going through a transition period. But their transition periods are, you know, still a level above what we have. You know, i not putting a slight against Northern Ireland. It's, it's just a fact. You know, and they've got players playing regular. And Bundesliga, like, you know, and that we've got guys at, you know, League One level. Um, you know, so, but there's always a chance, you know. We've beaten Spain, beaten England, we've beaten Sweden, you know, in recent years. And, uh, and
0: don't we have a sort of unique record against Germany compared to other countries?
2: Well, yeah, our record, like, um, I think the Germans and European Championship qualifiers have only ever lost nine games out of 98. Right, and uh, so and we're the only team to actually beat them home and away in as a, as a one qualifying series, you know. And um, you face everyone else. Come on, yeah. Let's um, do it this time as well. I, rem- I remember that. Like nineteen eighty two was there when the Stewart scored the goal. And funny enough, um, my uncle uh, drove the team bus. He was working for Ulster Bus at the time. It was a luxury coach. It actually had windows in it then. And. Um, <laughs> He was actually driving the team coach uh, to Windsor Park from Chimney Corner, and he told me, like, at, uh, the German team, uh, you know, full of great players, Karl Heinz Rubenegger and Pierre Lebowski, Lebowski and, uh, you know, says they were all brilliant to him, chatting away to him, giving him memorabilia footballs and everything like it passed on to me. When they got bait, they came on the coach. Wouldn't speak to him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Germans
1: bad losers. Oh, yeah. So hopefully that'll be <laughs> Monday night.
0: Yes. Well, I, I very much hope so. Uh, we we'll wonder what sort of transport they'll be in on Monday night. I hope they're <laughs> nice to their their bus driver anyway. Uh, I imagine one of those two teams might be trying to park a certain bus for a period of that game. <laughs> uh, we daren't say who. Um It's uh, it's one that obviously a lot of people are excited for. Um, understandably. What way do you think Michael O'Neill is going to approach this one, folks? Is it going to be a case of uh, a defensive-minded team? Are we going to be looking to play on the counter-attack? Um, what way do you see it? You know, is it? Is this the sort of game for a big Kyle Lafferty, robust figure up top, or are you looking for speedy players to break
1: away? What, what's, the, what's the thoughts, Colin Hopkins? A difficult one to call this one, isn't it? I mean, as you say, we're going to end it in a real rich, of form. little um, certainly up a skirt of Germany. In previous games, you thought, well... Well, we'll be lucky to get in this. I think Northern Ireland will go into the game thinking, you know, well, we're at home here. We have a chance. We mm. get any form of result here tonight. We are well in the driving stage of qualifying for this competition. And certainly, as you've already did, too, Germany are going through here the transition. Certainly not the German team from so many years ago, which was dominating world football to honest, it's, it's not that sort of level. We get a good start in that match. Maybe go for them a little bit. Maybe get an early goal. Could be a very very interesting game, but I certainly would like to see them sort of backs to the wall to balance. I think with home advantage. We need to try and certainly get something out of it. You know, I think if you do try and defend against Germany, it would only be a matter of time before they, they break you down. So I think we need to be, let's go for them. You know,
0: I mean, is it is that maybe where some of the the younger PSC players could potentially come into it? You know. I, you look at Linfield's home win against Carabag, um, which I just want to make sure we mention this first part of the programme because although we know they went out on away goals, that was a really, really special night. And it was, I was talking to a producer about this afterwards and I said it was one of the first times I'd watched a Northern Irish club play where it felt like an international. And there were 4,000 odd people there and it, it did sound like four times that. It was just really, really raucous and exciting and loud. And um, you just wonder, you know, can Northern Ireland on some scale kind of bottle that feeling and, and, and use something like it? Because they obviously have a, a player in common there and Shane Lavery, that explosiveness that, you know, Linfield were backs to the walls defending and in a moment of brilliance changes everything. Northern Ireland almost need that sort of performance against Germany, don't they? They need to be resolute at the back, incredibly so, against some of the world's brightest stars. And equally, they need something that. That makes Germany keep players back and maybe catches them out?
2: Well, I think uh, I think uh, with Linfield and Karabag, I think uh, for the first sort of 20, 25 minutes, Karabag looked really good, right? Because I think Linfield stayed off them and paid them too much respect. Mm. And I think, um, as Colin said, like if we do that against Germany, they're going to score against us. And I think a lot will depend maybe on what happens tonight, you know, when Germany plays the Dutch. You know, and if Germany actually get a result out of that, you know, that may change Michael's mindset, thinking, you know, we need to go for this, you know, because um, like we can go out there and we get a result that will move us even further away from the Dutch, you know, and the Dutch will be under pressure then, like, you know, looking on paper, like, you know, two games against the Dutch, they should get six points. But the pressure will be on them, especially when they come to Windsor Park you know, uh, to get a result. And then again, it'll be all about tactics and players. And Michael's very astute, you know, tactically he's very astute. And he puts a team out to do a job, right? And, uh, you know, when he does that and he gets the players together, more often than not, we, you know, uh, we do get a result out of it. And I think, like, last night he had to give certain players some minutes in their legs, you know, and but there was other players he wanted to have a look at, you know, Shane Lavery being one of them, I thought he uh, was excellent when he came on. He actually he played the same way as he did against Carbag He actually put uh, you know the central defender under pressure. He was wasn't giving them time. He was closing them down, and he could have actually got a goal. Mm. You know, and uh, I think he could be like your know, your super sub. Uh, on Monday night, you know, coming on the last 10, 15 minutes, you know, and just letting go for it, you know, depending on what the score is, obviously, you know, but... Um, I do, think, you, do
0: you think Josh McGuinness is the starter?
2: I think he probably hasn't played enough football uh, this season, right, because I think his, um, his pre-season was disrupted because of the Bolton Wanderers situation, so he didn't get any um, sort of a full pre-season. He's now been at Hull, played about four games for Hull, You know, has scored once from penalty spot, like, you know, so. But no, I I think it'll be Washington up top uh, because he didn't figure last night. uh, Connor's been playing, you know, week in, week out for Hearts, got a few goals for them, you know, so I think he'll start. And, you know, nothing against McGuinness, but I think. Uh, Josh is probably a better player coming off the bench for the last twenty minutes and giving us that energy. And he's done that before, and he's got goals. He got goal against Germany like the last time mm-hmm. they, uh, they came here a couple of years ago. You know, so yeah, I think uh, he could be his secret weapon. Shane Lavery as well. You know, but if we need goals, you know, Michael will go for it. You know, he won't hesitate. And uh, but again, I think it will depend on what happens tonight.
0: Having pacey players, I think, makes a difference, and those sort of aggressive forwards as well are what we need because we're not going to be able to play possession-based football on Monday night, let's be realistic about it, so you're going to need someone that's going to force an error or is able to sniff out something a little half chance and chase something down because it's unlikely Germany are going to make too many mistakes
1: No, you're 100% right I mean that's Germany over the years to be honest that don't make many mistakes, Uh, we just have to make sure if they do make a mistake we can certainly capitalise on it, you know um, but this, I, I'm still optimistic for Monday night. I think certainly think we can get a draw out of it at the very least, to be honest. The Germany of today, to me, hasn't the same fear factor as it had years ago. So you know, this is our chance to really put, put our one foot into these finals.
0: I mean, we're doing this show today as, as you know, obviously if you're listening to this back as a podcast, it could be a different day, but this is live on Friday. And it's Healy Day. And I was watching back the the hat trick and, you know, all great finishes. Some sloppy defender from the Spanish. And I remember, you know, before that match, we were having probably a similar conversation that we're having today going, oh, come on, Spain aren't going to make too many mistakes. They're giants and, you know, and would do well to get a goal against Spain and, you know, and the context of where that was and where we were at that time. And then. Well, if you look back wow. at that time, like, you
2: know, um, our opening game was against Iceland and we lost 3-0 at home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was And uh, Laurie Sanchez came in for a lot of criticism uh, and that. And, uh, you know, everybody was expecting us to be turned over by the Spanish quite easily. And uh, we actually came back twice in that game, from behind twice in that game. And I uh, always remember um, Laurie throwing his uh, jacket into the crowd at the end of it as his sort of to signify that was him away. And I think he was going that night, you know, and I think it was, uh, you know, just because he he did receive so much criticism uh, about the game on the Saturday and about his tactics and that, you know, but yeah, we can't, we've had Spain, we've had England, as I said before, we've had the Swedes, we've had Denmark, we've had some great nights at Windsor Park, you know, teams that are technically better than us, you know, but they can have an off night, we can have one of our best nights, you know, so who knows.
1: I think Northern Ireland, though, you know, talking back to those Spanish days, I mean, to a certain extent, that was a shock result. I think nowadays people look at Northern Ireland from outside the country think this side is actually a very good, a very, very good side. And they will prepare a lot more for us the penalty system than what they've done previously. They'll take nothing for granted against us. And mm. certainly, I fully expect a, a very positive, you know, even from Germany performance. They'll certainly not come here thinking this is a gimmick. And they'll know they for our game.
2: Well, the international setup now is, uh, you know, it's a different game. You know, from you know six, seven years. Well, before Michael came in, you know, uh, the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes is tremendous, and uh, they're very well prepared. You know, when the co- uh, it's not just on the pitch, but diet, you know, sleep, everything. You know, certain uh, nutrition, just to, to go through it all, and uh, very methodical. And I think we do that, and they do their background checks on the uh, opposition teams as well very thoroughly, and uh, so. He'll he'll have his uh, game plan and he'll know what uh, players, um, what system he's going to use and what players he has to use in that system.
0: It's uh, it's a huge game Monday night. Let us know what you think. Uh, are you optimistic? Are you going uh, to cheer on Northern Ireland against Germany? And uh, can they do it? We're going to come on to uh, the Irish League shortly and give you some of our predictions and that. Marshall, uh, one of the, the things that I haven't asked you about yet, and people maybe do wonder, is with you being such an avid football fan and uh, you know, a man who we all know as the stat man, were you ever a player yourself?
2: Yeah, I was a goalkeeper uh, for many years. And, you uh, seem
0: far too normal to be a goalkeeper.
2: Well, you should have saw me play. <laughs> um, okay. I played until uh, I was 54. Uh, gave up about three years ago and uh, so yeah like uh, I started off playing for skill Rangers down in Fermanagh and who got a very good team at the minute, um Irish Junior Cup winners and uh, started playing for them and played for Fermanagh County Fermanagh and for people of uh, my generation and Colin's generation in the old Esso tournaments which were held at Mollusk Fields and uh, Glen Gormley I think is that yeah and um That was uh, where my career ended, really, Um, because uh, Doran Whiteside scored a hat-trick against me that day. We were playing Belfast A team, and we lost 5-1. And uh, he scored three, and he was only 13 years of age, and I was 17, and so it effectively ended my career. Well, (laughs) I saw him a couple of years ago, uh, him and his wife Denise, and uh, I mentioned this to him. He had no memory of it at all.
0: He he scored a few goals in this time, yeah,
2: but it stuck with me. In (laughs) fairness, like you know, uh, three and a half years later, like or four years later, he was actually playing in the World Cup, you know. And uh, And
0: I bet you, because we all would do it. I bet you were telling everybody, you know, he uh, he scored against me. That fellow, I was on the same pitch as him.
2: Well, my my best memory of that game, actually, um, my only memory of that game besides the three goals, was a corner came across and uh, Whiteside went up and got his head to it. Full meat, and I stuck my hand up and caught the ball, and I could hear the crowd. Well, two of them said, <laughs> <laughs> "The next Pat Jennings there," and that was it. Yeah, you know, my career went downhill after that. Um, you almost signed for Distillery, is that correct as well? Well, funny enough, uh, as <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a- it was after that game actually because we played um, three games in that turn. Was like we played County Down, three 0 0 and we played County Antrim and uh, Belfast Day. And I thought I played well in the other two games. In the five-one game, I didn't play well at all. And uh, but it was after that that Gibby Mackenzie, was manager of Distillery at the time, not Lisburn Distillery Distillery, and uh, he came up and asked me if I wanted to sign. And the other person he asked to sign uh, from our team was Nigel Burney, uh, who is the father of current uh, Glentoran centre back um, Callum Burney. Right, Nigel signed, played for Distillery. Glenavon, Lauren, played, represented the Irish League, went on to have a really good career. And uh, we also had, uh, I think, Earl Aiken in that side. He went on to be Irish League referee. Um, so we had some talented players. And uh, like when I was growing up there, there was a lot of talent down for Fermanagh, but we were down the sticks and nobody came to watch us, you know. And there was players there who could actually m- made really good Irish League players like Jimmy Cleary was probably the most famous player to come out of Fermanagh then like you know playing for Glens and nearly went to Celtic for £30,000 and his brother was in the side like Cody and he was a really good player you know but we didn't have scouts it's not, it's not like you know the, we've got the you know Super Cup now like you know and we've got scouts coming down and you'd, uh, like out and we've got their youth set up you know there was none of that it was just like you know good players just being totally ignored and um you know how many potential Northern Ireland internationals are, were missed there. But yeah, like, you know, I, I did enjoy playing football.
1: Don't uh, should i uh, burst your bubble too much, but Distillery under Gabby Mackenzie were not a great side. So I wouldn't get too tired oh, of on. <laughs> <them> <laughs> I can't yesterday. believe you said that. <laughs> oh, glad <I> didn't sign. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, Do you
0: know who's a bit better than Distillery in that period? Some of the English clubs that you got a trial for.
2: Uh, Port Vale and Stoke. Right. I was um, like, at that age, 17, I thought, yeah, I'm okay. Like, you know, played for my county, I can do this. And I uh, actually went over and was living uh, in Stoke and uh, doing some voluntary work over there. And uh, I actually just wrote to the clubs. I wasn't scouted or anything like that, you know, so it wasn't that good. Uh, but I wrote to the clubs, and amazingly, they wrote back and said, yeah, come along. And so I went to uh, the Stoke one was totally uh, forgettable, right? because uh, I can't remember anything about it really but I remember the Port Vale one right, very well and uh, that was held at the end of April and it was like an open trials because there was a lot of guys getting released by clubs and I can remember seeing guys and think how are these guys getting released, they're brilliant you know, so um, I played the first half and I always remember a cross coming over and I thought that's mine jumped, went for it, had both hands behind the ball and the guy hit the ball so hard just went through my hands like butter Yeah, and uh, they took me off at half-time, right, and replaced me with the first team goalkeeper at the time. He was Trevor Dance. Probably never heard of him, but he was Trevor Dance because there was only uh, two goalkeepers on trial. And so that was the end of my uh, so-called professional career.
0: Love that, though. I mean, that's better than most of us can say, isn't it?
2: Well, yeah, but, uh, you know, I just realised then I'm I'm not as good as I thought I was, like, you know.
0: (laughs) My favourite thing about... um one of the things, that you're saying that, you know, you think you're good and then you have an experience and you think you're not as good. I reverse engineered that when I went to Canada because we had a football match against a local team, a men's over 35s team. So my friend was getting married and had a lovely wedding and on Saturday there and it was a great occasion. But just before this, he had a football game, which is probably a stupid thing to do actually. But he had a football game and so some of his team who are not the over 35 team and us boys that went over about seven of us formed a panel of around 18, did a rolling sub arrangement, took on the over 35s and won 10 nil. And I knew we were in for a good night when we were doing our warm up and it was a very, very relaxed one touch passing drill. Right. Which kids teams, I think, to be honest, do on a regular basis? And I heard one of the guys go, wow, these guys are good. I thought <laughs> we're going to stuff you. You're useless. And so we did. Uh, it was a great. And the the... The guy who got married, Darren, he got to take a penalty. It wasn't one of those friendly staged penalties. Someone actually got turfed, <laughs> and uh, we went, nah, he has to." It's big day is coming up, and uh, I was a bit gutted that he scored because I was master of ceremonies at the wedding, and I was wanting him to fluff his line. So I had a good opening gambit, but he actually tucked it away really nicely. So one of the ten goals was his. And uh, the, the the men's over thirty five team stayed for a, a beer on the pitch afterwards. So it, it was a nice, it was a nice night.
2: Sounds like the old Irish
0: league. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like, oh no, yes, the old Irish league. Yeah, well, A few teams will not mention. Um, Marshall, we could talk to you all day, uh, but it's it's been fantastic to get you here, um, to, to get you in the country and to find the time to bring you in. You and I normally have these chats when I make the mistake every home international of going, the hot chocolate's a good idea. I do it every every single time. I go, oh, the hot chocolate, oh, this is great. I pour the, the boiling water into it and then I remember that it tastes like feet. And then that's usually about, about the time when Marshall walks past me and says hello. And I'm like, Whoa. And it's not him, it's the hot chocolate. Always go for the coffee if you're on a press gambit at Windsor.
2: How do you know what feet tastes like?
0: Um <laughs> that was it's, the question was uh, in my head uh, The score after dark will cover that issue <laughs> <laughs> No No uh, well, but it's not I would never recommend the hot chocolate but normally we have these chats and, and I like you I'm a bit of a when it comes to Northern Ireland I'm still because watching them for years a bit of a pessimistic fan like you, you you want to believe it's going to be good but you go in expecting the worst and then anything else is a bit of a bonus yeah
2: exactly mm-hmm. you know I've been coming over for so many years as I said like you know it's, uh, but I just couldn't miss one now it,
1: yeah. is there one game stands out in your mind all those years? <sighs> um, yeah. I mean I can remember that obviously qualifying where the were Cup to the, the game against Scotland at home finished a nil all the Israel game directly after that which was the crowd, that was 30 odd thousand or something That was,
2: was 40 thousand, thousand yeah. g- uh, when you played Israel and we qualified for the 82 World Cup and I remember that game because we literally um, just get carried out it was yeah. the old days when you had the terrace and everything and mm-hmm. it was being carried out at the end you know, and, uh, I used to
1: have to take a wooden box to those games because you couldn't <laughs> see above the crowd that's when I could see it
2: <laughs> but yeah like there's been many memorable games at Windsor Park for me, um, obviously everybody would say the England game But to me, I think the Spain game was a better result, Mm -hmm. you know, because they were a better team and, uh, you know, better players. And, you know, we came from behind twice, as I said earlier, and to me, that was just showed real character within the side. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there's been many awful nights at Windsor Park as well, let me tell you. Uh, And I, Stephen Davis made his debut uh, against Canada. I was... That was a dire match. <laughs> yeah. You know, but like, you know, you have to take the rough with the smooth, and at the end of the day, that's why they call us supporters. You know, we go there to support the team, and to get bait we'll go there again, support them again.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah. Keep doing great work. Uh, it's fantastic having you on the programme, and I can tell you, as a commentator, finding out information sometimes about some of the clubs and the players in the Irish League can be an absolute nightmare. So you have my sympathies. You make it look very, very easy. And um, you're the guy that when we want a, a statistic, you go to NI Stats. Make sure you put that follow on Twitter today, folks. Marshall, thanks for coming on to the programme.
2: No, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having us.
0: Thank you for listening to the Score NI podcast with me, Michael Clark. We're back live with the whole show on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM on Friday from 1pm. Or you can subscribe to our podcast today to listen back to the first hour each week at your convenience. And in the meantime, keep in touch via our Facebook and Twitter feeds. We hope you can join us for the next episode.